Hey, um, for the start of this year, or from the start of this year, we've been teaching, really, uh, one of the big ideas we've been teaching about is that God has called each and every one of us to live and act with a purpose, a purpose that He's given us. And we've spent the January, February, beginning of March time pumping your tires, pumping our tires, building faith into us that when God calls us, to do something, he actually also equips us, he anoints us, he empowers us. Because a lot of people uh, live with a belief that God can do great things, but don't uh, have the belief that they can be used by God to do great things. And we need to actually make sure those two things walk side by side. Yes, we believe in a God for which nothing is impossible. And we believe that when God calls us, he also equips us and empowers us, doesn't set us up for failure. It's not a self-belief as such. It's a belief that we're made in the image and likeness of God and we're empowered by that very God. And he's not a mean God. He's not a nasty God. He doesn't set us up to see us fall over and laugh at us. He sets us up to win, to, 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 to know his, his plans and his purposes and to achieve them in our lives. Now, so we've been talking about one of those for the first couple of months of 2015, that we have the power. When God gives us an assignment, he gives us the power For the next couple of weeks, we want to shift gears and actually drill down into looking back again. We just, it's it's the journey. We keep doing both. And so the next couple of weeks, it's going to be focused more around, can God do what he says he can do? Is is really nothing impossible for God? And uh, I want to look at this from God's perspective. I want to look at what God says about God. I'm preaching as someone who believes that God's word, the Bible, is true and that it's inspired by God and that what it says should be read and believed. And not only do I want to just look at what God has to say about God, but I thought let's start from the very beginning. So those of you with uh, your Bible apps, how about you open that up to the beginning? You don't have to shuffle paper, just the beginning. Uh, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Chapter 1. Should be no surprise is the first chapter. And verse 1 is the first verse. And actually these, I'm going to just say the first four words that God wrote about him. Some of you actually know these words. Even maybe you don't even have a church background, which by the way, if you don't and you're here, we think that's terrific. You may even nevertheless have heard these words or have even just some kind of peripheral awareness of these four words. These are the first four words that God wrote about God. In the beginning, God. Now, before we carry on, I want you to notice a couple of things that aren't there. You're not there. Your name is not there. You don't exist yet. Uh, Let me make sure we are are aware there's something else that isn't there. Your circumstances aren't there. Your problems aren't there. Your dreams and hopes and goals and, and aspirations aren't there. Your disappointments aren't there. Your frustrations aren't there. You're not there. Your circumstances aren't there. But who's there? God. He wants us to know before he gets into the story, 
He wants us to know, I started this whole thing. I'm the writer. I'm going to become the producer, the director. And in case you didn't know, I also intend to be the star of the show. This is incredibly countercultural. Just these four words are incredibly countercultural because we live in a Western society that has a prevailing me first culture. That I am the most important thing in the world. That my goals are the most important things in the world. That my problems and frustrations are the things that God should be giving the most attention to. Well, I'm not saying God's not interested in any of those things, but I'm talking here about what's called preeminence. That before you and your dreams and your frustrations appear on the scene, the opening scene of God's great story is this, that God is first in order and first in priority. And what I want to teach about today is that in every aspect of life, everything, this is a big statement I'm about to make, so listen carefully, everything will change if and when you consider the source. Now, this is the first four words. This is like you've sat down, you've got your chalk bomb, you've got your popcorn, and boom, opening scene, thunders out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow, better, just, you know, I mean, wow. Now, I don't know how he did it. I wasn't there. Scientists have some ideas. They think maybe the Big Bang Theory was it? And no, it's more than a TV show. That could have been how God did it. Maybe it was how God did it. Uh, some uh, kind of smart Bible dudes um, argue about how long it took God. Did it take God seven days? Like literally, like a week? It's a lot of work to cram into a week. And pretty impressive if it did. Or does a day mean an era? You know, like a day means a million years. Look, again, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I'm, I'm not sure that's the most important point of the story when it comes to what God did next. I'm not saying it's unimportant. When, when you get to meet him, you can ask him, now God, you know, we, how did, you know, let me in on the secret here. He tells you it's not like you're going to do it. Um, like Samsung and just copy it. Um, but when we keep watching this unfolding drama of God creating, we soon discover the first pattern recorded in the Bible. God is a God of principle, and a God of patterns. He's a God of order. It's not to say he's always predictable. He likes to surprise us sometimes. If we think we knew everything about him, how he was going to do things, he, we wouldn't need him. But here's the thing. We discover the first pattern. Let me give you an example. Fast forward from verse 1 to verse 11, and we read this. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land, 
that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. So God was obviously Italian because the first thing he did was establish a veggie garden. That makes sense. But that's not the pattern I want you to understand this morning. The pattern I want you to understand is the first three words and the last four words of this particular act in history. Then God said, and it was so. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing. Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then we start to get some detail. But the pattern that we'll see in every single one of those examples, and I, and I kind of fast forwarded over a few as well, we see a pattern. And God said, so it was. He wants us to know that he don't need anyone's permission to act. He doesn't need anyone's authority to get stuff done. He don't need to fill out a job request. He didn't need to put in a CV. And God said, so it was. He didn't need your help. He don't need your permission because he is the ultimate authority. And not only is he the ultimate authority, he's actually the source. He's the one that gets it done. I'm going to say it again. Everything in your life will change if you first learn to consider the source. See, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I think my job's just to come up here and state the obvious. You have limited resources. It's like, they pay me to say stuff like that. Like, well, duh, Mark. We have limited resources. Because we have limited resources, if we go through life relying only on us, our wisdom, our experience, our strength, our gifts, if we go through life relying only on us, it will be inevitable that we will reach a point where we run out of resources. Now, our musical director, Jared Beanie, is an incredible musician. He's got some chops. He went to the Conservatorium of Music here in Mount Lawley. You don't even get to get into the course unless you've already got some chops. And you just certainly don't get to graduate. You graduated, right? You don't get to graduate. <laughs> Information I should have asked earlier. Unless you keep progressing and growing with your chops. So look, Jared, come on up. Jared takes requests. Uh, I actually asked Jared, can you come up and play Bette Midler's The Rose? And he went, what? Never heard of it. I'm like, thank God, correct answer. Because if you were a musical director and, and, and you lie awake at night listening to Bette Midler's The Rose, you're fired. So instead, I said, give us some Stevie. So hit us with some Stevie. Okay, just stop a sec. Now, 
I offered to do that this morning as well, by the way. <laughs> I'm telling myself, Jared didn't let me because it's his keyboard and he doesn't want me touching it. But actually, the reality is I, I just can't do that. So, okay, carry on. Go again. Now, all right, you can stop. Just see, now, like Jared, he's good. I mean, he's good, right? Like Stevie Wonder. I mean, you know, like, give it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you think that when you get to heaven, they'll be playing Hillsong music. No, no, no. They'll be playing Stevie. Uh, trust me. Um, then God said, and it was, let there be Stevie. And um, see, you might think that Jared's the source. Now, I mean, he's good, and he, he can do that. I can't. Fair enough. You might think uh, uh, product placement, Jared works for Casio, sh- shameless product placement. Um, really, there should be some cutting me some checks uh, when I preach about this stuff too, by the way. Uh, that Casio is the source. They make a keyboard that can actually put that stuff out, right? So is Jared the source or is Casio the source? I'm going to tell you this. No. Because do it again. Yeah, see, now I could do that. But he's run out of resources because, thanks to me, he's disconnected from the source. You understand? Now, let me... Oh. Is that the right one? No, it didn't click. That's it. Ah, now, warm up. Yeah, the drum analogy wasn't going to cut it for this particular message this morning. So we plug Jared and the Casio back into the source. <laughs> I love that, man. Oh, jeez. I was just about to pull up a chair and grab my coffee, man. That was fantastic. You know, I said that everything changes when we live to learn to live first considering the source. Let me give you a couple of game changes. Let me give you a couple of examples how considering the source will change your life. The first one is it puts your situation into proper perspective. You ever been in a situation where it feels like there's no way out? You know, maybe it was your stupid decisions got you there. Maybe it was circumstances around you. But just think for a moment. Have you ever been in, you know, felt like you, you, you painted into a corner or you run out of rope? Whatever analogy you might want to use. Those four words that we read, if you consider them, it's a game changer. I'm backed into the corner here. But I remember that in the beginning, God, he has the first word. And actually, spoiler alert, he reserves the right to have the last word. Your circumstances don't change him. Your circumstances, even though you may have ran out of resources, don't actually deplete God's resources. Now, God sometimes works in you to change things up. He might give you a greater capacity. 
He might connect some people around you and, and, and cause you to, to get some extra skills, some extra character, you know, stuff that God, when we're backed into a corner, He might do something in us. There's times when we're backed into a corner where God might do something through us. And then there's the ones we love the most, where God does something for us. Because the ones where God does something for us, it's, like, it's cool. We don't have to do nothing. We just turn up and it's fixed. We love them the most, don't we? But, 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 I, but I'm just saying that's only sometimes he does that. God. Okay. Here's the thing. We, when we're backed into a corner, will not always know how we're going to get out of this. We will not always know what God having the final word in this will look like. But considering the source changes our perspective. Here's something I want you to understand. God's never intimidated by your problems. When we're back into a corner and we think that there's no way out, God's not stumped. He's not thinking, oh, hmm. if only I could figure a way out of this. If only I knew everything. Boy, if only I was God. Wait a minute. When you consider the source, first and foremost, not in the beginning, Mark, not in the beginning, I lost my job. Not in the beginning, this relationship isn't turning out the way I'd hoped. Not in the beginning, my bank account was a little bit skinny. If you think in the beginning, God, if you consider the source in each and every circumstance, then your starting point, rather than telling God, how big your problem is, you start telling your problem how big your God is. Capiche? It's good. Everything in your life will change if you first learn to consider the source. Let me tell you something else that'll change. Considering the source keeps your mind in perfect peace. Let me ask you a question. I, I want to see your hands, please. Do any of you ever worry about stuff? Some of you are worried about what people will think of you, so you didn't put your hand up. Those of you that put your hand up, let me ask you another question. You don't have to put your hand up, but just answer this for yourself. Would you like to stop? Would you like worry to be something you used to do? I can tell you how. Is anyone interested? Do you know there's actually a promise that God spoke to us where he promises that he will keep 
our minds in perfect peace. Not visit there occasionally. Not drive through and get a side order of perfect peace. Would you like perfect peace with that? Ah, oh, yeah. Upsize me, baby. There's actually a promise that God makes to us, a declaration that he promises that he will keep our minds in perfect peace. I'm not judging you this morning, but is that your experience? Is that your reality? Are you someone that you can say right now in your life, you know what, I don't, I, I don't actually even worry. Now, there are people like that. They exist. Some of you before that put your hand up a warrior like, Buddhist. they do. And you can be one of them. And here's how Jesus said that happens. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it, it follows, duh, that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. Before I go on, I just want to point one thing out. Jesus said, don't fuss about what's on the table. He didn't say don't work to put stuff on the table. You know, he's, not, he's not advocating a life sponsored by Centrelink here. Okay, see, oh, Jesus says he's going to provide for everything, so I'm just not going to leave the house. Me and the Ellen DeGeneres show. All right, daytime TV. Yeah, good luck with that. Don't work. But he said, don't fuss, don't worry. You can work for it, but don't have to worry about it. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than your clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds. They're free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than the birds. <laughs> has anyone, Louis, question for you, has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever grown taller by as much as an inch? <laughs> I actually, before I started preaching this morning, I actually had somebody ask me, are you going to crack a Louis joke this morning? And I said to them, no, I'm not. I'm not stupid. The Italian word vendetta means revenge. She's Italian. I can only kind of chew through my nine lives. I've got to spay. I don't know. I couldn't help myself. That, was, that joke was just low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Oh, <laughs> that was a good one too, but I didn't mean that one. Anyway. All this time and money wasted on a fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp, primp, not pimp, primp or shop. But you, have you ever seen the color and the design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of the wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? Look, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Don't be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Let me just push pause on it 
I shared this with our team leaders. I've shared this thought with a few of you before. So it's not necessarily a new thing, although sometimes we need to be reminded of this. Of course, if you're new, this might be a new thought. Let me just read that a little bit again. Don't be so preoccupied with getting, comma, so you can respond to God's giving. Men think that they are the providers for their family. Jesus is reminding men, us, that we're not, that he is. That's not me slapping you on the, on, on, on the wrist for if you've ever thought that. That's saying, guys, he, he might provide through you your job, your business, your... Yeah, absolutely. But it's God that's the provider. So even when... Things at work aren't going so well. Even when that business is going through a little bit of a downturn. Keep working, but stop worrying. If it was a country song, it would be titled, Work, but don't worry, because worry don't work. Jared, that was your cue. I know, Casio is a program not to play country music. Thank God. We got both types here, son. Country and Western. Your boss is not your provider. God might use your boss to provide for you, but God's your provider. Stop worrying so much. Work hard. Keys to long-term job prospering. Are very simple. Ask your boss what they want and then over deliver. And God will provide through them, but it's God who provides. So even when things at work don't look so good, even when the business profit and loss statement isn't looking so good, do I sound like I'm on an endless repeat here? God is our provider. So start worrying so much about getting, Jesus says. So you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over those things. But you know both God and how he works. God says, and it was. That's how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Do you know that's what most worry is about? Us actually lying awake thinking about stuff that may or may not happen tomorrow? So don't worry about the stuff that's happened because you have to worry about it because it's happened. We worry about the stuff that might happen. Jesus is saying, don't. Don't worry about the stuff that might happen. Focus on now, what I'm doing now, what I'm doing in your life today. That's the key to not worrying. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So let me ask maybe the same group of people a question, same question, sort of, slightly different wording. You don't have to answer this out loud, but just think about it. But have you ever, any of you, have you ever lay awake at night worrying about something? Tossing, turning, you know. 
you, Urast, um, <laughs> what difference would it make if you, when you were lying awake at night worrying, if God appeared at the foot of your bed and asked you the question, what are you doing worrying about stuff that I've already worked out? Would that be cool? Would you stop worrying at that moment? Or would you say, ah, God, keep, excuse me, I'm trying to worry at the moment. You're, you're proving quite the distraction. <laughs> and how'd you get in here in the first place? <laughs> Kids need permission from their parents to do stuff. Because from a kid's perspective, their parents are the source. Employees need permission most of the time from their bosses. Because from the employee's perspective, and rightfully so, their boss is the source. In the beginning, God. He didn't have no parent. He didn't need no boss. So he didn't need anyone's help or permission to then go on to create the heavens and the earth, to establish a veggie garden, to put some creatures around so that, you know, we wouldn't have to be vegetarians, praise the Lord. That he created you and me in his image, in his likeness, so that we would be something more than the other created things, that we reflect the character, the nature of God himself. But he also reminds us that when we face difficult circumstances, we need to put them into perspective that God's the source. He's not intimidated by our problems. He never was and never will be. We need to consider the source that we don't have to worry, that we can live lives keeping keeping our minds in perfect peace when we live first considering the source let me ask a question some of you maybe haven't answered this question yet and the question is this it's one thing for me to talk about God being the source. It's one thing for me to talk about God creating us. And I said right at the beginning, I declared my hand. I believe that that's true. I believe that God is the creator, that he was not himself created, that he first existed before anything. And I believe that you and I have been created by him. But we haven't been created by him to do life without him. In fact, we've been created by him to do life in relationship with him. Intimate relationship with him. It's quite possible that some of you have not actually acknowledged that reality. Or that may not have become a reality for you yet. Maybe you think, you know, you're just here 80 years and then you're gone. Here just by accident, here for no purpose, here because, you know, the birds and the bees and all that. Well, look, I want to tell you, it's my firm conviction that, that God created you, 
that God placed you on this earth in this season for a specific purpose. You might not have even discovered that yet. And hey, stick around. We're going to help create an environment where you can discover God's plans and purposes for your life. But really the starting point is actually starting a relationship with him. He's created you to have a relationship with him. He doesn't want to be a distant God. Another meddler reference. We're not playing that one either. He doesn't want to be the God that's watching us for a distance. God's heartbeat is to live in intimate relationship with us. He's coming to us. It's fantastic. Decision we need to make, though, at some point in our lives is to stop and turn to him. And many of you have made that decision. I made that decision years ago. But if you've not yet made that decision to actually acknowledge God's reality, to actually not have not yet said, yes, God, I want to have that relationship with you, then here, right now, we're going to give you that opportunity. In fact, in a moment, all I want you to do, for those of you that, is, that, that you know that that's the next decision you need to make, that's the next step you need to take, say, God, I need to have a relationship with you. I want that. I'm going to decide to do that right here, right now, this morning. Then all I want you to do in a moment is just put your hand up. And you're saying to God, that's me. You came to me, I want to turn and face you and, and start that relationship with you. When I see a hand, you can put it down and then we're going to pray. So real quickly, just let me look around our auditorium. If you've not ever made that decision, said, yes, God, I want to have a relationship with you, just slip your hand up real quickly. When I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we'll pray. I don't want to miss anybody. I believe this is the most important question you'll ever answer. I believe that the best decision you could ever make is yes. I want, don't want you to miss this moment. If you've never made that decision, said, yes, God, I want a relationship with you. Just slip your hand up real quickly. Then you can put it down. Then we're going to pray. 